Grace and Peace Church, happy Mother's Day. Because today is a special Sunday, we have a special speaker that's going to open the Word of God for you today. Uh, I want to invite my good friend, Martha Alvarez. Martha is a gifted Bible teacher, and she is a member of our church. She's also an attorney. And here at Crossbridge, we believe uh, in the spirit that gives gifts to the whole body for the edification of the whole church. And we like to foster these gifts so that these gifts will flourish in our community and in the lives of people. So Martha, we are very honored that you are speaking today. And so I would like to pray for you uh, so that God would prepare the hearts, prepare the field for the seed of the gospel to be planted today. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we're grateful for the fact that you love your church. And Father, you have given gifts to all of us for the buildup and edification of our church. We're grateful for the gift of teaching that you have given our sister Martha. And Father, we pray that you would use her today to speak to those who are listening to this sermon. And Father, that the seed of the gospel would be planted and it would germinate and it would bear much fruit in the lives of others and in the life of our church. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Martha. Thank you. I mean, what a humbling and just an honoring introduction. I am so unworthy and undeserving of it. So thank you, Pastor Felipe. But it is my honor and my privilege to be able to be here and speak with you on this special day of Mother's Day. So before anything else, I also want to wish every mother out there a very happy Mother's Day. Today is your day. And we want to honor you for all your selfless and sacrificial ways. Thank you. But we also want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all the spiritual mothers out there. Because some of you may not have physical children, but you have so many spiritual children that you've invested in their lives and enriched them in so many ways. So for your sacrificial ways, we also want to honor you and say thank you. So today's message, of course, is on a mother's love and how a mother's love reflects the love of God for us. She is this beautiful picture of God's love. And in fact, it is God himself who gives us this vivid illustration, this wonderful metaphor through a mother's love of his love. And in particular, in the passage that I'm going to read, God uses the special love of a nursing mother with her infant and that unique bond that exists between them in order to give us a glimpse of his love for us. So before I dive in today's passage, let me ask you a couple of questions so you could keep them in the forefront of your minds and your hearts and we can meditate and ponder them as we go through today's passage. How truly secure are you today in God's love for you? And how well are you living out of this security of the love of God in your life, especially when things don't turn out the way you expected or when life is just hard? So we've been going through this wonderful series on love, love works. And today we get to meditate on the greatest love of all, the love of God. 
You know, it's been said that love is the most powerful force in the world. And Napoleon Bonaparte had this quote. He said, Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions would die for him. Love is the king of the affections. And I like to say that it is the queen of the virtues because love is in a league all of its own. And of all the righteous and good affections that are part of God's attributes of his character, one and one alone is said to be at the core of his divine essence, love. Because God is love. So let's hear from this God of love what he has to say to us today from his word. And we're going to read Isaiah 49, verses 13 to 16. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the child of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. This is the word of the Lord. So let me put this passage into context for you. When Isaiah the prophet wrote these words, the people of Israel, they were in Babylonian captivity. They had been captured by the Babylonians and they were exiles in a foreign land. Jerusalem was completely destroyed. Their precious temple was demolished and the walls of the city were lying in utter ruins. By the way, as a little side note, archaeologists just in the last couple of years have uncovered evidence of this Babylonian conquest 2,600 years ago, putting this stamp of authenticity in the biblical account. I just love when that happens. But Isaiah is reminding the people of God's faithfulness of his promises of future restoration. He's saying you will be back. Jerusalem will be rebuilt. The temple will be once again. And those beautiful walls, they will be erected. But it's like if the people in verse 14, it's almost as if they interrupt Isaiah because it says, but Zion said. And Zion, literally speaking in scripture, refers to the city of David, Jerusalem, or sometimes it's that hill where the temple was built. But when it says, but Zion said, it's referring to the people of Israel. And the people of Israel are saying, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. It's as if they're telling Isaiah, you know, all these promises of future restoration, they're great. But how do they help me now in my life, in my suffering, in this condition? Look at us. We're in exile. It certainly looks like God has 
abandoned us. But ultimately, the question that they are asking is, does God really love us? That is the question of their hearts. Because they're saying, if God really loved me, he would not have abandoned us here in this foreign land. We would not be exiles. And God, in his grace and in his mercy, responds to this question of their hearts, the ultimate question of all of our hearts in verses 15 and 16. And how God responds to the people of Israel is unbelievably relevant and powerful for our lives. So we're going to look at this passage in three sections. The very first one, verse 14, we're going to look at this life-transforming question. In the second one, we're going to look at the answer to the question, God's answer. And the third one, the evidence for the answer in verse 16. So the very first one, a life-transforming question. Does God really love me? Verse 14 again. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt that God has abandoned you? That he's forgotten you? You know, if we're honest with ourselves, we have all felt forgotten and abandoned by God. There have been situations and circumstances in our lives where we simply cannot see the hand of God. We've all questioned his love because sometimes it doesn't feel like if God is really with us. And like I said, the people of Israel are saying, Isaiah, look at our lives. It's in ruins. And our temple, that was the assurance of God's love and of his presence, and it's gone. Where is God now? See, this question of God's love, it represents a crucial human need, a universal human condition. The need, we all need to be loved. And we need above all loves, the love of God. We need the security and the assurance that only his love can bring to our lives. But we need to believe that God loves us, not just with our heads intellectually, but it needs to transfer into the recesses of our hearts so that it makes an impact in the way we live and the way we respond to situations. See, Richard Loveless, a professor and theologian, said this, it is an item of faith that we are beloved children of God. But there is plenty of evidence against it. The faith that surmounts this evidence and that is able to warm itself at the fire of God's love, isn't that a beautiful picture? Instead of having to steal love and self-acceptance from other sources is actually at the root of peace. We are not saved by the love we exercise, but by the love that we trust. See, he is talking about the very same condition of the Israelites in verse 14. This is the human experience. 
This is our experience. There is all types of evidence in our lives against the love of God. See, there's internal evidence. What do I mean by that? Well, we know ourselves. We know our failures, our mistakes, our flaws. We know the things that we have failed to do and failed to complete. We know the things that we are continuing to do right now that we know we should not be doing. And so sometimes we say, how can God love me? I'm not worthy. Am I even lovable? And then there's external evidence in our lives. We say, look at the disappointments, the failures, the unfulfilled dreams, the pain, the broken relationships. Look at my life and how can anyone think that God really loves me? And so Richard Loveless is saying, you need to believe that God loves you, not just intellectually, just because we read it in God's word or because we sing hymns about it, but it needs to transform the deep affections of our hearts so that it makes a difference in the way we live our lives and in the way we respond to adversity. See, God's love cannot just be mere doctrine. Because if it is, then we will steal self-acceptance, worth, validation, and love from the wrong sources. What does he mean by that? If you are not receiving your worth and your love from God, then you are going to look in a lot of places, some of them very good ones. But for example, we will choose careers unwisely because we will think that that gives us prestige. Or we will overspend and get ourselves into debt to say, look at me, look at all the luxuries. My life screams success. Or we will underspend and we will live misery lives because we'll say, my bank account is padded and I have security for my future. Or we will stay in unhealthy relationships because we are so desperate to receive love any way we can. And then when something in your life falls apart, you will not have an anchor for your soul or for your heart. See, that's why this question of God's love is so important. And that's why we need to answer it for ourselves. And I love the way that God deals with it. The second one, the answer to the question, verse 15, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, God gives us a picture right here of what he feels about us. He gives us an image of his love. And God chooses the intimate connection between a nursing mother and her infant to tell us something incredibly powerful about himself and about his love for us. This is just a breathtaking, beautiful metaphor. The God of the universe is like a nursing mother, but of course, infinitely more. And so this metaphor, it calls us to meditate 
on the nature of this nursing mother and her infant. Because this connection is one of the strongest human bonds that we know of. See, biologically speaking, scientifically speaking, when a mother gives birth and when she breastfeeds, her brain releases this hormone called oxytocin. It is called, I'm sure you've heard of it, the love hormone. And what does it do? It creates relationship bonding, deep emotions, empathy. It's almost like if it's in the mother's nature, given by God to love, to care, to protect, to nurture her infant. So there are many ways in which a mother's love reflects the God of love in this passage. And I'm sure you can come up with many of your own, but for time's sake, I want to focus on three ways. And the first one is that it's unconditional. See, a mother's love for her nursing infant is the closest human love that we have to being unconditional. What is so surprising about a mother's love is that it's so one way at first with this infant. I mean, imagine inviting someone to your home and they demand your constant attention at all hours of the day. And then they wake you up at all hours of the night and they don't even say thank you. And this goes on day in and day out. Most of us would ask this person to just leave, wouldn't we? But think about it. Isn't that exactly how an infant, this nursing infant behaves? It is completely dependent on its mother. And it cannot even love its mother back. I mean, the love that this mother has for this nursing infant, the infant hasn't earned it, hasn't deserved it. It just exists. The mother just loves her baby. See, in almost every other human relationship that we have, there's a give and take. There's reciprocity in our marriages, in our friendships, even in our workplaces. But this loving mother, she is utterly devoted to her nursing infant. In fact, she rearranges her whole life and her whole schedule around this little baby. It's as if God is saying to us, it's in my nature to love you. My nature draws me powerfully towards you to protect you, to nurture you, to care for you. I cannot help but love you. And God, just like that mother with that infant, he does all the work. And we just receive his love. We cannot earn it, and we definitely do not deserve it. But even this nursing mother, her love has limits. God's love is the only one that is truly unconditional. Well, the second way is it that a mother's love is life-giving. I mean, that is obvious, right? We are all here because our mothers gave birth to us. They gave us the gift of life. But God is the ultimate giver of life. He is the creator. But he does more than just give us physical life. He also gives us spiritual life if we're his children. 
And we know that it takes a lot more than just physically giving birth to be a mom. There's a lot of mothers that have adopted their children. That is a high calling and a high privilege. But also, like I said, there's many spiritual mothers and men. There's many spiritual fathers too. Think of those people in your life that you've invested in, that you've loved, that you've nurtured, that you've laughed with. You have given them a glimpse of this human relationship of the love of God through that relationship. And some of us, maybe our mothers didn't love us the way that our hearts truly longed. And so God places spiritual mothers along the way and fathers to give us a glimpse of his love. See, in my case, my biological mom, she's been the greatest example of God's love in my life. So a shout out to her. But I've also had many spiritual mothers along the way. So think of those that have invested in your lives, spiritual mothers or fathers who have loved you, mentored you, cared for you, maybe a teacher, a friend. It's not about age. Well, the third way that a mother's love is like God's is that it's enduring. And enduring means durable and long-lasting. And so think again of this nursing mom. Her love is enduring. Every day, night and day, nursing and caring for her infant. She knows everything about that little baby. But her love cannot continue to endure in the same way that God's does because even the nursing mother has limits. And so God says, verse 15, though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, God is saying a human mother, she can go against her nature. Sometimes no fault of her own because of an illness. She cannot care for her infant, or she doesn't have the means. Other times, just because of sin or selfishness. But God is saying, I cannot forget you. This is covenantal language. It's powerful. God says, if you're my child, I will never forget you. I can never stop loving you. See, this is God's answers to the question of the Israelites' heart. Does God really love me? Has he forgotten me? See, God is saying through this beautiful picture that he is more fixed on you than a nursing mom is on her child. He says, you see a mother's love? It is a dim reflection of my love for you. My love for you is infinitely greater. God is saying everything about my nature draws me powerfully towards you. Everything about my glory draws me to you. Everything about my faithfulness draws me towards you. And God cannot go against his nature. So if you're questioning God's love, can you know that that's impossible if you're his child? See, if you don't listen to your heart, you will be psychologically and emotionally unhealthy. But if you 
only listen to your heart, then you will also be psychologically and emotionally unhealthy. What do I mean by that? That we need to listen to our hearts. We need to address the questions of our hearts. But then we need to combat it with truth. The truth of God. But here's the deal. This is not a one-time deal. We need to continually remind ourselves of God's love because our hearts are so prone to forget it. Like Pastor Felipe told us last week, every morning when he wakes up, he reminds himself that you are loved by God. See, when my daughters were young, I used to read them this children's book. It was called, I Love You, Stinky Face. And it kind of talks about this same condition. It was about a little boy that needed to be reassured of his mother's love. And he would tell his mother, if I were a scary monster, would you love me? If I lived in the swamps, if I was this smelly skunk. And every time the mother reassures him, I would love you no matter what. And so, you know, we ask God questions like that little boy. We ask him from our hearts all the time. We say, God, what if I worked myself into such a frenzy that I was anxious about everything in my life? Would you still love me? And God answers in Psalm 23, I will lie you down beside still waters and green pastures and I would love you. Or maybe we say, but God, what if I fall so awful, so hard, and I make such terrible mistakes that I mess up so much in my life? Will you still love me? And then God says, Psalm 23, I will restore your soul and lead you down the paths of righteousness. Or maybe we think, Lord, what if I fall in a depression so dark? that I cannot even see you or hear you or feel you. Would you still love me? And Psalm 23 again, the Lord says, I will comfort you and protect you and walk beside you. See, God will never stop loving his child. Well, the third point, evidence for the answer. See, sometimes we need more than words to know that someone loves us. If someone is constantly telling you that they love you, but they don't prove it to you, then you may not believe it. See, as a mother, giving birth is just the very first sacrifice of a million more in our children's lives. I remember when my youngest daughter was in middle school and she was hospitalized and they thought she might even have a brain tumor. And I slept two, three nights in this cold, hard hospital chair but you know what? I could maybe go a few nights without sleep, but only God never slumbers. I remember wiping their knees and their elbows and their scrapes, but only God can heal them physically. And as my daughters have grown up, I've listened to their hearts, their frustrations, breaks up, breakups with boyfriends, and I've tried to comfort them, but only God can restore their hearts. And you know, with all that, my daughters have sometimes said to me, you don't really love me, mom, because if you did, you would have given me this, or you would have allowed me to do this, or you wouldn't have said that. And I'm thinking, 
Are you kidding me with all the sacrifices that your father and I have made? But aren't we that same way to God? We tell him, you don't really love me. Because if you did, you would have given me that deep desire of my heart. Or if you really loved me, you would not have allowed this painful situation in my life. And this is what God answers. He gives us undeniable, irrefutable proof of his love. Verse 16, he says, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. See, God is saying, look at the palms of my hands for the proof of my love. And this word engraved, it's so much more than just a tattoo. See, engraved in the Hebrew literally means to cut. And it's to conjure the image of somebody taking a knife, a hammer, a chisel, and putting nails through the palms of their hands. God is saying, here is the proof. And so there's three things that engraved symbolizes of God's love. And I want to share that with you. The very first one is that it's permanent. See, when something is engraved, you can't wash it off. You can't rub it off. It is there permanently. And the God of the universe is saying, I have engraved you permanently in the palms of my hands, meaning my love for you is permanent. Nothing can wear it down. Nothing can destroy it. The second thing that engraved symbolizes, it's a beautiful work of art. It's a thing of beauty. See, the word engraved here is the very same Hebrew word that was used in Exodus 28 to talk about when the names of the sons of Israel were engraved in this beautiful work of art in the temple. God is saying, you are a beautiful work of art to me. God is saying, in Christ, I see you beautiful. And his view of you is the only definitive one. Do you see yourself beautiful in the eyes of God? And then the third one that it symbolizes is that you are always before him. See, think of all the places that God could have engraved. He chose the palms of his hands because our hands are one of the most visible parts of our body. They're always before us. We use them for everything, to brush our hair, brush our teeth, to hug. God is saying, your life is always before me. Every joy, every tear, every disappointment I am more in tune with your life than even that nursing mother is with that little infant in her arms. And you know, centuries later, another doubter came and Jesus said, behold, here is the proof of my love. Look at my pierced palms. And Jesus Christ will bear those scars through all of eternity as proof of his love for us. And you don't want to know what the irony is? That healing takes place in our lives because of the wounds of Jesus. 
by his wounds, we are healed. So what hurt do you need to find healing in the love of Christ for? Maybe it's a failed career, a failed relationship. Maybe it's a dream that never happened. Maybe you were never able to have children. Or maybe your own mother didn't love you the way your heart ached. Maybe you felt overlooked by her. See, God is saying, although your mother or your father may forsake you, I never will. My love is the only perfect love. And in me, you find the healing that your hearts need. See, Jesus was forsaken so that you never will be forsaken. And because today is Mother's Day, I want to briefly talk into the insecurities and the pressures that we feel as mothers. Have you ever thought, I could never be the mother my children need? I have failed to be the mother my children need. Will they carry my baggage and all my failures and mistakes with them? Have I protected them enough from the world? Or am I protecting them too much and smothering them? See, what do our children need most? We can either have these fears and insecurities crush us, or they could lead us into the love of God. Because what do our children need most? A mother without baggage? A mother who never loses her cool? A mother who cooks amazing meals? A perfect mother? Newsflash, there is no such thing. No. What our children need most is a mother who finds her love and her worth in Christ. Because then our children will be exposed to something far greater and more impactful than unattainable perfection as a mother. They will be exposed to the never-failing love of Jesus. So his love is the only perfect one. And as Richard Loveless said, if we don't find our worth and our security in his love, we will look elsewhere. So where are you not finding your security in the love of Jesus? Where are you looking perhaps to material things and the temporary high they give you instead of to the lasting satisfaction that Jesus offers you? Where are you looking to your career to feel worthy instead of looking to Christ. See, if we don't look to him, then our hearts will never be settled. But when we find our love in him, and when we allow that love to transform our hearts, then we're like that infant who is at peace and at rest in its mother's arms. See, love is the greatest, the most powerful force in the world. And it was at the heart of the most powerful act in human history. Love moved the father to give up his only son. And love moved the son to lay down his life for you. So will you find all you need in the love of Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you shower us with your love. 
Thank you that you know every need, everything in our lives. You know every tear we've shed and that there is healing in your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you will make your love a reality in each of our hearts and that whatever the world tells us and whatever we see in ourselves, we will know that we are loved in you, that we are your beloved and nothing could be more important and nothing could matter more. And in the name of Jesus, amen.